Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 29, 2018. The share IDs for Friday, April 27th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11350, that's 11,350. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11352. 11,352. This morning, A Vision for You presents Resiliency and Recovery. The 12 steps serve a specific purpose. Through following the spiritual directions and working all 12 steps, program members do undergo a spiritual awakening. There's no doubt about it. A spiritual awakening can be thought of as a new state of consciousness and being, and as an awareness of a power greater than ourselves. The big book speaks of a transformation stemming from access to a source of strength, a power which before we had denied ourselves. It is this very strength and power which allows us to develop emotional sobriety, resiliency, and recovery. The big book teaches that we now live on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. The 12 steps and spiritual principles become the design of our lives. Life still has its difficulties at times. We still encounter speed bumps. But we now have adequate shock absorbers to smooth out the ride. We are, in reality, equipped with real tools for living. We experience a sense of ease and comfort, resiliency, and recovery through our trust, reliance, and dependency on God. Joining us today to speak about resiliency and recovery is Russ M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. Russ is dedicated to trudging our 12-step way of life, and he's here to share his experience with all of us today. Welcome, warm welcome to you, Russ M. Thanks, Leah. Can I be heard? Yes. Awesome. Whew. What an intro. This is just such a privilege for me. I'm Russ M. Recovered Compulsive Overeater outside of Philadelphia. So I'm on this line uh, because I'm not really that great at life. I'm, I'm not good at life. I can't manage life. And I need help. And I'm grateful to God that I stumbled upon this meeting. So I, what I'd like to cover is just my story and how I'm trying to stay recovered, how I'm working the program. So I'm from a Sicilian-American family, only child, only male to carry the name, youngest of five cousins, the only boy. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom's a workaholic. My grandfathers were alcoholics. My grandmother could have been a compulsive overeater. She battled with her weight her whole life, as long as I knew her. My other grandmother was an anorexic and, and, and workaholic. And, and in my mind, looking back, it's like this was a perfect storm for uh, this disease. Not that it was the cause, but I saw a lot of addictive behavior. 
Um, as a kid, I always had this edginess about me, having to keep the family name in good standing, and I had to achieve. Like I, I'm sure a lot of uh, my friends here have felt that, you know, and I, like I had to be the greatest of my family, the golden boy in a way, in a way. And I don't know if I put that on myself. It just was natural. That was like a, something that, you know, was in my being as long as I can remember. Um, growing up, you know, my like I said, my grandfather and my dad were alcoholics. My, we had our Italian club that I, I grew up in there. I mean, there's stories of me being nursed by a bottle while my dad was playing chords. I was one years old, maybe, in the bar. Um cool thing about that was by the time I was 10, I was a barroom Olympian. I could shoot pool, darts, shuffleboard, and I used to run run those guys for their money, some of them old-timers. But I, I did have fun, but it wasn't where I should be as, a, as an infant and a toddler. I, I, I mean, I would sleep on the chairs while my dad and my grandfather and uncles were playing cards. It was just a little crazy, you know. My dad had a gas station, and I was I always wanted to be with my parents, you know. I always wanted to just be with them because uh, they both were working, right? They both were working. My dad had his own business. And when I was left with a cousin, I got molested. So I didn't I, – I would lose my mind if I wasn't with my parents. So I ended up being with my dad a lot at the shop. And I was working, doing pumping gas, plugging tires, seven, eight years old. You know, it, it was like I was an adult in a little child's body. I had no – <laughs> no fear to tell someone where to go at eight years old, if you know what I mean. Like, I used to have to handle myself. It gave me an independence. Um, you know, I, one thing stuck out in me. You know, I just want to share this with you. This is like it kind of scarred my nervous system. I remember a guy coming to the shop for my father. And he says, Monty, look, you know, I, I got, make a bill for me, a fictitious bill, a fake bill for 800 bucks. And I'll, pay, you know, I'll get the money from my wife, then we can go to the club. And I was like, that is just not right. Something stuck with me. There was an, that, that stigma of addiction or compulsion just stuck in my head. For, you know, oh, I, I, I can't, and, you know, I'm 45 now, and I still remember that like it was yesterday. So, you know, at that time, you know, my relationship with God, I always, like, I loved God. I always felt like, you know, the sunlight of the spirit, God's hand was on me. I was special. You know, I, I'm Catholic. I'm a Christian. I came up in Catholic school. Fridays, we would go to Mass. That was our form of worship as a community with the school. I couldn't wait to get there. I couldn't wait to feel God's presence in my life. Now, at the same time, there always, always was an obsession with food. Like, as, as much as I felt God's hand on me, that's how much I was attracted to food. You know, anything, whatever kind of food it was. You know, it was like it was a part of me. You know, it was normal to me. It was my identity. You know, and I didn't know anything else. I really didn't know anything else. You know, um, when I was anxious, I would eat. When I was happy, I would eat. When I was sad, I would, would eat. And, you know, that happened later in life. If I... You know, I I had a great day at work. I ate. If I had a bad day, it was always my out. Food was always my out. So getting into grade school, I was about 200 pounds in seventh grade. The kids never really 
gave me a hard time because I was, you know, I was, I, I, I would make people laugh. I, I had, I was precocious, and I also, you know, being at the shop, being around the bars, I could handle myself, you know, and nobody really gave me a hard time. Yet they did always used to call me Big Russ, and I don't, you know, I don't know if it was respect or they didn't want to call me fat or they, but that always stuck to me, Big Russ. They, they were differentiating me from the other kids, and you know that worked on your mind. You know that worked on your mind. Then I'm in high school, hit puberty. I said, I noticed what a beautiful girl looks like. And I looked in the mirror. I said, yo, dude, you, you, you know, nobody's going to be attracted to you looking heavy like this and fat on your weight. You got to get this weight off. So I was determined to do it. I didn't really diet. I didn't do anything crazy. I just worked out a little. The weight came off me. So that was a cool thing. You know, I had a date here and there. It was a little awkward because between the abuse and, you know, not really having the the the, the childhood that that I would want, I was awkward. I didn't have really great relationships, you know. I, I, I didn't know how to relate, you know. So uh, let, let me share this. You know, throughout my life, throughout my life, there always was this pillar of stability that kept me just kept my emotion in check. If you can believe this, you're going to think I'm BSing you, but it's true. It was professional wrestling. The house I was abused in, wrestling was playing on the TV. I had the magazine collection. I had it on Atari or Nintendo. I had the action figures. I went to the shows. I was totally obsessed. As much as I was obsessed with food, I was obsessed with professional wrestling. See, I, I lived through Bruno San Martino. Paul Kogan, Bob Backlund, Jimmy Snooker, Roddy Piper, all these names, their aggression on, on the TV, I lived vicariously through them. So I didn't hurt myself, and I wasn't hurting others. You know what I mean? I don't know if I had that outlet if I would have turned out, you know, a quarter of good as I did, you know, the, being able to survive the 45, because I had a lot of that emotion that, you know, that we always hear was in me that I didn't know how to deal with. So wrestling was my outlet. So I got this awesome idea right in my junior year of high school, you know, like, because, you know, I'm a real tall 5'7", you know. Uh, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. I love it so much. I'm a fan. I'm just going to take that fandom one more shot up higher, right? I'm going to take it a step higher. So as it would have it, God put a guy in my life that is like family to me. Still in the business now, 50 years old, traveled the world. He trains me, takes me under his wing. And for about three and a half years, I got a almost like a full-time job wrestling this little Ham and Egger from the East End of Norristown. It's traveling wrestling. And it, honestly, at that time, it was one of the best things for me. I had structure. You know, I had a meal plan. I retrained. I had to be at the venue at a certain time. We were on a timetable. It kept my mind at ease, if you can believe it. It was slightly OCD. But it kept me at ease. It kept me going. Right? It was wonderful. It built my 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 self esteem came up. You know, I, I I when you know, and Bill and Bill Story said I had arrived. Man, when I would stand in front of people, whether I was a good guy or a bad guy, whether they were booing or cheering, I, I would put my fist to the to the to the to the sky and say, I arrived, man. This is my deal. This is where I need to be. And really, that was a godsend, if you can believe it. 
So about three and a half years into it, a TV taping in the Catskills, New York, I had to dislocate my elbow. And you had to come to grips like this was not, you know, a 24, 23 and a half. I have to, I have to put down the wrestling. And I never really got to grieve it. I never really got to grieve it. I stuck around. I refereed for a couple more years. And I decided I was going to become a chiropractor. And I, that process took its own life. Uh, you know, I, I, it took life of its own, you know. And, you know, I never really grieved it. And I had a resentment that I had to, I had to quit. I had to just shut it down. It, it broke me. You know, it broke me. In that time, I still had that training regimen. I'm not wrestling, but I'm training. Then I said, you know what, I'm going to give myself a couple of days. I have this tight diet. Saturday and Sundays, I'm going to eat what I want. Screw it. I've been working all, this whole time to keep this weight where it needs to be and my fitness level high. I'm going to do uh, Saturday and Sundays. Well, then it started to go on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Before you know it, I'm, I'm, I'm the, you know, the, the, the phases of a spree, right? Every Monday was my start day. I'm swearing off. I'm not going to eat these carbohydrates. 10 o'clock the next morning, I'm in them. I had no control. The obsession took off. It took off. It was, it was crazy. And I was trapped. I was trapped. I get to chiropractic school. My first trimester, I gained 35 pounds. You know, having 25 credits in my first trimester broke me. So that emotional strain on me, there's regular stressors of being in school, being away from the love of my life, being away from my mother and father. My home, out of, you know, this city slicker in a country town. I was losing my mind. And I just ate and ate and ate. I could not stop and I tried. I tried so much. I tried to manage it. Uh, you know, I did ephedrine. I tried protein shakes, supplements, gym, oh, the next silver bullet. You know, everything I could to try to restrain this beast. And it just, it just blew up. It just blew up. I, you know, I came home. Well, in chiropractic school, I was up and down maybe 100 pounds, you know, 50 here, down, up 50. I, it was just a yo-yo. I was sick in the mind, you know. My mind was never right. You know, I, I would do things with food that that people would, you know, they would put you, put you away. 10,000 10, cal- 10, calorie binges were nothing, zero to me. I mean, drive-through after drive-through. You know, pound, you know, Sicilians, we like our pasta, right? We're Italians. Pounds of macaroni. Where did I put it? I don't know. There were times, there were times that I ate so much. I was so topped off, so full. I could feel it at the top of my esophagus. Like I was just, I would cough and the food would come up. It wasn't like I was trying to stick my fingers down my throat. I was so sick of being full that I would just regurgitate naturally, involuntarily. My body just did it. A few times that happened, and I knew I was in trouble. I was in trouble. So I'm in, in, in business on my own, and I'm eating, but I'm trying to control it because, you know, I'm Dr. Russ. You know, I'm, I'm that family's golden boy. We start having kids. Man, I got the insurance has got to be paid for these kids. Oh, I got to meet this bill. My wife is working her tail off, and I'm feeling guilty about that. We have another kid. We have another kid. Our fourth kid, we find out 
she has a birth defect in her brain, she may not make it. A heart defect. I lose two good two good friends back to back. I didn't get the grief. Then my mentor and practice just dropped dead in Florida. And I just had to keep going. I had to keep it together. I had to keep it together. I had to not show any emotion. I had to be the strong man for the family. I had to be, you know, in my mind, what I said, the greatest, Montabano, that's my last name, okay? I just want you to know. I had to be the greatest and not let my family down. And then the second to last surgery of my, my daughter, my dad's in the hospital and my, my daughter's in the hospital. And my dad died. And it crushed me. And I knew I was done. I knew this food had me. I knew life had me. Not just the food. Life had me. I had no control over it. I tried so hard. I tried. I tried to, to, to not be crazy. I tried not to be edgy. I tried to float the business. You know, I, I accumulated debt both from my business and from the food that I ate. I tried to pay the bills. I, I couldn't do it. I had no control. It, it, it just it took me over. And around that time when with my dad, I mean, I'm sorry, with my, with my daughter, my Abby shows up in my office. Recovering crack addicts. I'm a musician. I play a little bass in a band, and he's a, we got connected through music. And he, I said, John, look, man. And I specifically went to him because I knew he was recovered. And I knew he was clean. And he might have answers for me. And I said, John, man, I, I, you know, I think I'm addicted to food. I, don't, I can't stop. He said, are, are you going to meetings? Are you trying 12 steps? He goes, you know, I said, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know it's for me because you don't know it's for you until you're there. You don't know you need recovery until you know you need recovery. And he said to me, I love you. You need me. All you got to do is call. I'll help you any way I can. So he planted the seed, right? And that's about 2005, right when all this turmoil is going on. So he plants the seed. Well, Amazon's just starting off. I get a book from Amazon, the 12 and 12, right? I didn't know anything about the big book or AA, really. I just knew, you know, OA, Overeaters Anonymous is one of those programs. You know, it's like a weight loss thing. I get the book. I read, like, the first chapter, the preface and all that jazz, and I, I have to concede that I'm powerless over food, and I can't do it on my own. I threw that book down quicker than you can believe, and I said, that's not for me. I'm better than this. That's for sick people. I'm Ross Money. That's my, that's my ring name. That what was my ring name. Still not, yeah. Ross Money. I'm better than this crap. I'm better than it. So I proceeded to yo-yo for another 10 years. So I knew 2015, 2016, I, I, uh, I needed to do something because it was getting worse and it was causing more problems. I was, you know, restless, irritable, discontent, the bedevilments all over, having problems with everybody. I can't keep my head above water just in life, not just financially or with my family. I didn't want to get out of bed. I wanted to die. I wanted to die. So I said, man, maybe John's right. Maybe I got to pick this book. And the kicker is when I go to find the book, I can't find it, right? You know, that's how it always works. So I go to the OA website. I see there's a, there's a meeting. 
a quarter mile from my office on Tuesday nights, and Tuesday's my light day. I can go. So for about a year, I said, I'm going to go. Tuesday nights would come up. I'm not, I'm not subjecting myself to this. I can't. No, my pride was there. My pride and my arrogance said, Russ, you don't need to go. You got this. Monday's your start day. And Tuesday, I was screwed up again. Same process, same vicious cycle. In that time, I'm listening to podcasts. You know, I get on iTunes, I'm listening to podcasts, and I hear some of the strongest individuals I've ever heard in my life. These people ain't rich. They don't have power. They ain't bragging about themselves. They're telling me how desperate and hurting and how self, um, how, how um, incapable they are of taking down this this disease, yet they're joyful and they're starting to thrive and they have recovery and it piqued my interest. And then I stumbled uh, on, on this, this podcast where this dude is on there. We know him as the historian and my man killed it. He blew my mind. He blew my mind. And then I heard one with him and the, and the psychologist, if you know who I mean. And it was just like I got smacked in the back of the head, dude. And everything they said applied to how I was living my life. Yet they weren't living that way. And they had a solution. So I said, it's time. It's time. It's time. But I still lollygagging because I still have pride in me, right? So Friday the 13th of 2017, I get into it with my wife over the stupidest thing. You know, it's always stupid. It's never like a life-changing thing when you flip out when you're an addict because we're whack. We're emotionally, emotionally just uncontrollable. You know, we're emotionally immature. So my wife pulls me aside in the, in, in the living room and says, Russ, look, you tried medication. You went to shrinks. You know, you're, you're trying everything. It ain't working. You're still irritable. You're, why do you have to subject the kids to this? To me, you know, subject me to this. And you're like, we don't deserve it. She's right. She was right. She was right. So I said, uh, uh, she says, I'm going to go down my mom's for a couple hours. Just get your crap together. Figure out what you want to do. We can't go on like this. We can't go on like this. See? The disease took, you know, robbed me of my friends, robbed me of things I wanted to do with my health. You know, like I couldn't do it. I was too heavy. I was struggling. I could never put the food down. It stole my time. It stole peace in my brain because I'm always anxious and I had to be OCD about things. And I would, you know, paralysis by analysis and business endeavors that I could have been set with because I had my pride and my mind was going crazy. It stole so much from me. But once it went after my family, once I let it affect my family, it was time. It was time. So that night, she went down to her mom's. Now, I'm in my living room, just me. And uh, like I said, I've been in front of many people, wrestling. 10, 15,000 people. I get goosebumps. People move, yeah, you put an arm bar on somebody, the place pops, you know, it goes crazy. I had no problem with that. That was like easy, so easy for me. 
to dial that phone line on January 16, 2017, I was literally shaking. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm scared. Please help me to do this. I don't want to lose my family. Please help me. Help me dial these numbers. And I was shaking, and the phone was shaking, and I was dialing the numbers. And I heard this beautiful voice on the other side, Grace. She says, don't worry, honey. I got somebody there for you. I won't be there tomorrow, but we're going to take care of you. We're going to help you. I get to the meeting. Now, this is a tools meeting, okay, face-to-face tools meeting. I sit down, and I know I'm in the right place because I'm hearing things that I battle with. But that notion of handing things over and surrendering my will and life to God and that I can't handle this food on my own, it scared me. It scared me. Now, if the person who did my welcome meeting wasn't that, that person, wasn't there for me, I don't know if I'd be on this live today. She said, Russ, you, 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 have to, you don't have to live this way anymore. It doesn't have to be like this. Just come back. Just come back a step at a time. Do the next right thing. You don't have to live this way anymore. So that calmed me down a little bit. And like, you know, obsession started lifting. After the meeting, what does any good addict do? I go on a two-day binge, right? Until I was sick. So I got this turmoil. I want to eat. I can't stop. I don't want to surrender my life and will over that care of God. And I don't want to admit that I'm powerless over because it, it makes me look like a wimp. Yet, I don't have to live this way anymore. There's a solution. There's something there. See, when I was in that meeting, I know it was a tools meeting, but what they read was how it works. That I had a shot. That I had a shot. If I worked this program with reckless abandon, that I wouldn't fail. I failed my whole life. I failed my whole life, and I'm still failing in some ways. I've cut corners, I've made mistakes, i screwed up, i ruined relationships. You know, i hurt my wife, I've hurt my children, i hurt the people dearest to me. And I failed. And I don't want to fail anymore. And when that, that, that first paragraph of how it works, that gripped me. And I knew there was something in that big book. I knew something was there. And I couldn't get any, I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. You know, I didn't have a big book at that time. So about a month month in, I got a sponsor. He was a tool sponsor. I'm not mad at him. It's just the way it is. That's his recovery. I It didn't work for me. It wasn't a match. You know, we would talk and text. You know, it was a more focused on food plan. What are you eating? How are you doing? And I think that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. For for someone that wants to live that way, who's not maybe not really a truly compulsive delivery eater, I am. I am. And, uh, you know, being the lone dog that i always been, isolating and knowing everything, because, you know, I'm a chiropractor. I'm a sports doctor. I know everything about nutrition. You know, I know it all, so I'll handle it on my own. What I did was I searched the big book, and I knew there had to be step prayers because there's got to be prayers to go with a spiritual program. What I did For the next six to seven months, I prayed those prayers every day. And I listened to the big book on iTunes. 
over and over and over again until I got a big book. And that kept my sobriety. And there wasn't white knuckling it. I felt peace. But I knew something was missing. I knew I had to work the steps. I was trying to work them through the brown book. It just ain't. That doesn't wasn't for me. That wasn't what worked. I tried. And in the face-to-face meetings, I hear about vision for you, right? So that's where we always hear that. A big book meeting. Ah, because, you know, I'm looking for that. That's, ooh, thank you, God. I'm looking for this. This is what I wanted to know. Now I got an outlet. I got to get on this meeting, right? In the interim, I was going to four or five meetings, face-to-face meetings a week. I said, man, this is great. God, work this out. It's in the morning. I get on on my first meeting about, um, I think it was March of last year, and I hear the historian, and I hear the psychologist, and I hear all these awesome people saying, look, I got recovery. You got to work the steps like your hair's on fire. Don't be dishonest. Have rigorous honesty. Just do it, and you'll get free. It's going to be hard, but it's simple. And that was the name of that tune. That the rest is history. So you know, I introduced myself at the end of the meeting. Man, the whole week I must have got fifty calls. You guys are so awesome. I felt like yo, I, I this is a godsend. Like God put this together, right? And then I got the call of all calls, right? I pick up the phone. I, hey, bro. I love your shares, bro. I'm gonna keep it official, man. I love you, bro. And this man took an interest in me. Every week he called me, and he worked with me. And I don't have a sponsor. So, you know, Charles is there for me as my, you know, my illegitimate sponsor. You know what I'm saying? He was there for me. He was walking me through things. And I really didn't have the courage to ask him until I was at my wit's end, and I knew I had needed more. I need it more. I need it more. Because I knew I only had so much time or I'm, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be dead because this thing's going to kick in. You know, it's, it's, it's waiting for me to slip up. You know, it's going to take me out. So I said, Chaz, look, man, can you be my sponsor? He's like, look, bro, I'm going to keep it official, man. I ain't got a spot. But I got this dude waiting for you. So call him. He's waiting for you. And you'll be all right. Thanks, man. Love you. Love you too. All right, good. I make the phone call. I call this man. We talk for five minutes. And indirectly, in his his beautiful way, he's saying, look, I'm not trying to be a friend, dude. There's no time like the present. This is what I want you to do. And I just listened to him. You know, that that Russ Money uh, spool of brat syndrome just totally was just like chopped away. I just did what the man said, and I don't do what anybody says because I knew I was dying. Either I was going to die from the food or I was going to be alive dying. And um, the point is this. I had to take that direction or I was going to lose everything. So my sponsor, we just banged through it. We just, in a month, man, I was up to my amenses, dude. A month and a half, I was up to my amenses. It was ridiculous. And the things in my inventory, oh my gosh, this guy, 
me? Oh, how am I ever going to forgive myself? How is he going to forgive me? Is he going to fire me? He's like, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah. Well, this is why this could happen. Get through it. Next one. Next one. Next one. Before you know it, I'm starting to live in 10, 11, and 12. You know, I love my sponsor. This man is my friend. He's blood to me. I drive the man crazy. I know I do. But for that man to do that for me, that he don't know from the Easter Bunny, that is, I don't know how many thousand miles away we are, I can do that for anyone. And that is the program. This is why we get recovered. Being selfless, humble, and loving. You know, it's unconditional, man. It's, this is where God kicks in. You know, the love I feel from my sponsor and the people involved in this program is the way God loves us all. It's just beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Okay. I'm, I'm getting off track, but I don't want to do that. But I, I want to express how, how grateful I am for this program. So, you know, the thing I can say is this. You know, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, right? And, uh, you know, I have to, uh, you know, I'm powerless over the stupidity of myself. And I've, I've made myself unmanageable. You know, I'm powerless over my financial issues. I'm powerless over the way my kids talk to me. I'm powerless over my boss who I want to knock out every 15 minutes. I can't do it. I need someone else to help me. I need a power to take this off of me. Because every time I try to do it myself, every time, I use self-knowledge, my will, and just bulldoze people, I got into trouble. Now, I missed the part, you know, because I'm, I'm getting into the third step here, the, the surrender. You know, I see in program, and I've done it too. This, I'm not trying to incriminate anybody. I'm saying we worry so much about food plans. We emphasize that, right? And I'm not bragging. I'm saying to praise God in this. He took that off of me. I didn't develop a food plan. I got on my knees in front of my refrigerator on Monday, January 16th. 17. I said, Lord, I cannot do it anymore. I am done. I'm done. You know, as a Christian, yeah, man, I surrendered this. I surrendered my life to God. I, I tried. Every time I tried, I surrendered a ton of times in my life. But I did not experience true surrender until I was on my knees and I handed that food over to God. Now, my life's mission, and I'm not BSing you. I'm telling you the truth because this is how I struggle in life. My life's mission is to be able to surrender my finances because I'm financially insecure. I struggle with money my whole life. I've been working, and I have nothing. I want to surrender that to God every day. My relationships. Hey, I got a great personality. I love people, and I really, truly do. I love the interaction. But you give me a, a wrong look, I want to rip your face off. So I got to surrender that over. My children, my wife, my relationship with my wife, when I want what I want, 
and I think what's best for the family. And my wife and I get into it. I have to surrender that over. See, all this is ego. And yes, I could be out of the food for 50 years, but still be a dry drunk. Still be a dry drunk, and that's surrender. I pray for that every day. Lord, please take these things off. I ask you into this, God. I ask you in to get me out of bed. I ask you into my drive to, to, to the office. I ask you in to my heart that I can just be what you want me to be. Not be a living in the bedevilment, having relationship problems, financial problems, uh, having an attitude poor, towards people being restless, irritable, and discontented. Lord, I ask you into that, God. And it's hard, but sometimes it's dry, and I don't feel God's presence. But then I look back of that experience, that time when I said, oh, man, this is going slow. And then I look back how much it's been accomplished, accomplished with the men, not just the food, okay? The, the food is just a microcosm of life. I look at it with, you got to hear this. You want to hear miracles? My mother-in-law, right, Sicilians, like we go at it, right? She's on my back. I'm at her. I made amends to the lady. And I knew it was coming. I knew the hammer's coming down. Like she got 20 years of pent-up frustration that she's going to lay me out with. I'm opening myself out. I'm up. I'm not trying to leave with the chin. But it's coming because that's the way she is, and I got to accept and love and tolerate her. I said, Mom. You know, I, 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 I was wrong, and I just, whatever. I apologized, and I told her I wanted to make up for her. She said, Ross, you know what? I see how hard you're working. She goes, I know this is not about your weight. She says, I know you're trying to get right. She said, I just want to let you know I didn't want you to feel like an outsider. And I wanted you to be part of our family. And I wanted to help you, help you. And I said, Mom, I never gave you the chance because I was too afraid you were going to hurt me. And now the kicker, the miracle, the best part of it all is she's asking for me. The pain in the rear, the rear, rear end, right? The pain in the rear end. We go at it like we want to fight in the driveway. Now she's my friend. She says, Russ, she's, where you been? I missed you. Or she goes to my wife. The only one who understands me is Russell. He listens to me. We talk. Now you tell me that ain't a miracle. You tell me that. Another amends I want to share with you. My uncle. My uncle Russ is a multimillionaire. Came from nothing and worked his tail off. He was a little bit of a hard man, and he was hard on me. But I wanted his time, and I loved him. I wanted his approval. So I'm making amends. Then I had a couple incidents with him that I got into it, and I want to apologize for him because I, got, I can't get back into this food, and I don't want to be a crazy wreck my whole life, so I got to do it the way it needs to be done. And it scared me. I didn't want to face him. So I called him. Say, yo, look, um, uh, what? You're in a program for food? He goes, I know you've been battling, but kid, don't worry about it. You take it too. I said, no, uncle, you don't understand. This is a disease. And I got to do this. I just want to talk to you about it. I apologize for being disrespectful. You know, the whole thing. He said, yo, you weren't disrespectful to me because you're my nephew. You're my blood. I'm so proud of you, and I love you. That was a miracle to me. I didn't want that. 
I didn't want that. That wasn't what I was looking for. I just wanted to patch it up. You know, he's 84, and I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want any regrets when he when he went home, you know? And it was just so beautiful. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is that we got to work this program thoroughly. we got to live in this. You know, I'm a good talker and all that. Like, and I can BS you a little bit. But I struggle every day. Every day is a struggle. But we have this beautiful program. It, it, it keeps me centered. It keeps me aligned with God, you know. And, and, and we continue. You've got to continue to work it no matter what. If the house is falling down, if you're running out of money, whatever, whatever your situation is, if it's great, you've got to work it. If you get too high, you've got to work it. Not just when you're angry or you're sad. If I'm if I'm feeling like this, I got a new business and I'm feeling euphoria, I got to get on the phone and talk to my sponsor and do a 10-step because it's not real thinking. It's not it's not true. My my point is there are those promises come true, man. They come true. You got to do the work. And zero, no one, zero, nobody is too far gone. It's a it's a, it's a it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly. If you have nothing, God can give you everything. It just takes total abandon and working these steps. And it's hard to do that on a daily basis because it is hard work. But how recovered do we want to be? How free do we want to be? I mean, there's got to be more to life than worrying about food and anxieties and edginess. we got to smell the roses. You know, we got to be able to enjoy a person's time, not what that person is doing for them. The sacrifices they give you for 15, 20 minutes or hour, four hours. You've got to be present. And that's what I'm realizing. There's the miracles there. Like, I can never do that. I can never be present for people. This is the beauty of this program. Man, I'm I'm getting a little crazy with this, but it's true. This is my heart. I'm speaking my heart to you. You know, it's not going to be peachy keen once you get through the steps. That's why we have the steps. That's why we have the big book. That's why we have the fellowship. You know, iron sharpens iron. We are in this together to survive, you know, to thrive, not just survive, to live life to its fullest in whatever circumstances, in pain and agony, in joy and in euphoria, in the whole thing. You know, it's, whew, it's just beautiful. You know, it's beautiful. I want to tell you, you know, I still pray those those step prayers every day. It's part of my spiritual exercises every day. See, I'm 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 ADD boy, you know. I I, I you know I'm like the the dog in 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 up squirrel, you know. You something distracts me, I'm away, right? I need that structure every day. If I'm not in that, I'm an emotional wreck, and it is a day at a time. It's 15 minutes at an interval sometimes. Because of the way my mind works. Now, see, I, I've been this way for 44 and a half years. So it's going to take time for me to live in the spirit, live in a spiritual awakening. It's going to take me time, just like it took me time to get out of the food. 
These, these exercises, this spiritual way of life, it's like working out. You know, your biceps and your calves and your pecs are not going to be big after the first workout. It takes years and years and years of repetition that it becomes emotionally, physically, spiritually a part of you. We have to use these things. We can't get cocky. The magic magnifying mind can't go off because you ain't got it. Because every time I've done it on my own, I failed miserably. And the kicker is, I got everything to be happy, to be honest with you. To be, you know, joyous and free, right? I got everything in front of me. You just got to do the work. See, with my worship team, uh, my wife and I have this worship team. You know, so we've been in front of thousands of people and all that jazz. And that's great and it's cool. And I've seen miracles that you would think I'm BSing you. You would say, come on, Ross. Wait, you, dude, you're a holy roller. You're whack. I'm telling you. I've seen certain things with my own eyes and with my spirit that would blow your mind. But nothing sustained me. The next day I'd be back in the food because it was a spiritual experience. It wasn't a spiritual awakening that I can nurture and develop and live for the rest of my life. And yes, I am Catholic. I'm not changing my faith. This program is congruent with my faith. It's developed me as a better Christian. And that guess what, dude? You ain't the only one. You ain't holier than now, Holmes. You got to love and tolerate everybody, even the people that don't like you. This is what this program does for me, living in 10, 11, and 12. Now, we get to the sponsorship deal, you know? I'm just going to say this. If you ain't sponsoring, when you can, when you get through the steps and you're ready, if you're lollygagging on that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because sponsorship takes your game up to the highest level because you know, you, you will live your program by sponsoring. And your sponsees are going to wise your rear end up. They're going to teach you things that you didn't realize. You're going to go through that big book and say, well, I didn't see that the first time. And by their life and by their experience, you're going to come to love these people. That's the, you know, you got to work with another alcoholic, right? Right, working with others. This is what it is. This, this is the whole program. You got to get, we, we can't be, we can't BS ourselves, right? And I'm the greatest at that, man. I can lie to myself. I can hurt myself. I do things to myself that I would never think of doing to my worst enemy, right? But we can, you can't live that way of life. You got to be brutally honest with yourself and screw it. Who cares? It's between you and God. Get it off your chest. Don't live in shackles. Do the work. Do the work. You know, I, I, I'm... I, I, that, that's basically it. I know I went on. But this is me. This is Russ M. This is who I am. And, you know, when I got the chance, now that I got the chance, I just want to say something to you all. For my whole life, I've, I've been there just all over the place, you know. And... and I had this missing piece that I can never put my finger on. And when I got in that big book, 
God revealed himself to me through the 12 steps and through this program. And you know, when Leah kicks it at the, end, at the, at the um, announcements and says, welcome home, I'm home. I've been searching for this my whole life. And I know, when I say this to people, you know, I, I text people and I call people, please know there's no ulterior motive there. Please know that's out of gratitude, love, admiration, and respect that I, because you guys are my lifeline. You're my lifeline. I have everything with this program. I have nothing by the world standards. I have everything because of this program. You know, we don't share a disease together. We share a solution together. And I love you for that. And I love that you bear with me. And I love that you text me back. I've been searching for you all my whole life. And I know it sounds cheesy, but I feel complete now. You've given me purpose again. This this program, this fellowship, and this meeting in particular saved my life, man. And I want you to know that. You know, Harlan's right. This is the Renaissance, man. It's true. And I just wanted to leave you on that. I love you guys so much. I, I know we don't know each other, but we do. Thank you for this beautiful, awesome opportunity. It was just a, an honor. And any way I can do service for this meeting, you got your God right here. Thank you. I love you. Thank you, Russ, for your genuinely beautiful, authentic story of hope and possibility as a result of these 12 steps. Thank you so much. You brought tears to my eyes. Thank you for sharing with all of us today. Share ID for today's presentation, 11355. That's 11,355. Russ's contact information will be provided at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We're going to now transition to question and answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. Please announce your name, including the first letter of your last name. Cynthia C. Allison E. Lucy E. Beverly R. Can you hear me, Beverly R.? Gotcha, Beverly. Lisa D. Jody E. Q. Jody E. Q. Jill L. Jill L., thank you for your perseverance. I knew I'd missed you. Okay, this is who I have. Shout out who I missed. Cynthia C., Allison E., Jill L., Lucy E., Beverly R., Jody E. Q. Who did I miss? Is there is there a geo? I think that's okay. me. You, you called me Jill L, but it's G O L. Okay, got it. Okay, excellent. Thanks for the correction. Okay, let's start with that grouping. Cynthia C, please. Everybody else mute. Thanks. Thank you so much for your service, Leah. Russ, I don't even have words to describe how meaningful your your share was for me. It was exactly what I needed thank to hear. You. Like God, yeah, thank you. God put you in my day today. So thank you so so much. 
Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more, because this is what I am struggling with again today. Um, I keep turning it over and I keep coming, getting stuck again with it. Um, with working the steps and your family, especially like maybe your teenagers or your kids, and you know, you, you mentioned a couple times, you know, you can't control your kids, how they speak to you or what they do. And I guess, could you talk a little bit more either about your letting go of it or, or, or where you've come, like your work with that? I, I could definitely use that today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you. Can I, can I be heard? I'm recorded. Hello? Yes, we hear you. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. I have I have five kids. Um, my oldest is 16, my youngest is six, and my oldest boy, you know, we, we get into it a little bit, but he's my tightest too, you know, it's like I'm the hardest on the worst, on oldest, and, uh, he'll come at me, I just, I, for me, okay, I do have a complex with respect, because, uh, you know, we're your parents, and, and, and we're just trying to do the right thing, you don't have to be mouthy, I struggle with that, my two oldest, they come at me. And I mean, it's really difficult not to get caught up in it. So either, be honest with you, I'll I'll, I'll call my sponsor, I'll do a 10-step, get it off me, get out of, yeah, I got to get out. You know, you, I don't have to, like, I don't have to engage. And that's the hardest thing for me. I'm a hot-dotted Sicilian. I want to argue everybody. But what does that show the other kids? It gets my wife upset. It creates chaos and confusion and, and turmoil. So I'm working on it. I'm, I haven't nipped it, but I'm learning. Like, you know, my, my sponsor, one of my sponsees told me, it said, does it have to be said? Does it have to be said now? And does it have to be said by me? Sometimes you got to, in Sicilian, we say, don't say anything. Shut up, bite your tongue. Use your spiritual program. Get into a 10-step. Or just, God grant me the serenity. Sometimes that that's like your... Uh, your, your safety valve to manage these things. And you'll see that little bit of angst be lifted off you. Or just get out of the house. You know, uh, it's tough because with this, this disease, you know, we want to control everything. And it goes that's the same thing with our family. But I got to realize my kids are going to make their own decisions. They're going to make their own mistakes. I cannot protect them. I can't. I try to teach them. And it's like, I want to be a father. I want to teach them. But sometimes they ain't teachable, and you just got to gotta shut down the classroom, you know? You got to just, you know, back off. It's really hard to do. I, I, it's easy for me to talk about it. I might go in the house now, and the, the oldest gets in my face, and, you know, I want to knock his block off. But you can't do that. You can't live like an animal your whole life. We can't do it. That's not living in the sunlight of the spirit. And I'm a number one offender. So I'm glad to ask that question so I can keep continuing to work on it because I need it. So thank you for your, your, your question. Thank you, Cynthia C. Allison E. Star one to unmute. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E. from New York. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay. Hey, Russ, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. This is my first time actually sharing on this line. So um, I just, I have a question. You talk about like doing spiritual exercise and um, surrendering your will like a hundred times a day. I was wondering, do you have... um, like a, like a routine that you do in the morning. Like I'm working on step three and I'm like trying to figure out like my routines and, you know, how to surrender my will. And can you just talk a little bit more about what you do? 
Uh, yeah, I, I have, like I said, I have a structure of those big book play, prayers. So they go through more, a morning prayer, right? And then they go through all the step prayers. Then, uh, you know, your inventory prayers, prayers that you're going to pray while you're working, you know, the, the action steps. And then they have night prayer, you know, your 11-step prayer uh, review. So what I, what I usually do, uh, like this morning I got up and I, there's a prayer on awakening. God, please direct my thinking to keep my thoughts divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Please keep my thought life clear from wrong motives and help me employ my mental faculties that, I, that my thought life might be placed on a higher plane, the plane of inspiration. These are right out of the big book. I mean, I'm happy to text them to you. I could text you my, my, my plan, the way I do it. I pray it in the morning. So there's morning prayer. And then throughout mm-hmm. the day, I have prayer for my faith interspersed with the, with the step prayers. And I pray them throughout the day. When I get to work, I have a set of prayers for five minutes. I pray. I'll see some patients in between. You know, while I'm doing my work, I'll pray again. I, I mean, I, I am praying a lot. I really am praying a lot. And then at, at really, you know, it's not always a review at night. Like we're doing a microcosm of the 12 steps every you know, every situation you're coming up at, you know, like this guy's getting on my nerves. Okay. So where am I selfish, resentful, dishonest, fearful? What's my part in it? You know, you're, you're doing an inventory right there. Right. And then if you're out of line, you make a match, you know, you're doing your nine step right there. So it, you're, you're living the small in every situation you're living it. And I'm reviewing through every situation, but I do have a nightly review. So I like to see, you know, what could I have done better and when I was talking with my boss? What could I have done better when, when, I, when I was handling my son or my wife or my mother or, or whatever? What can I have done better with this? With, with, uh, how, how should I have worked on this patient? You know, I, I use that, that template of that nightly review throughout the day in every situation. But I'm also praying, you know, if I'm fearful, I pray the fear prayer. You know, if I'm struggling with a resentment, I'm praying that sick man's prayer. I'm praying a set-aside prayer every day because God's going to show me a new experience in every experience that I have. So for me, I need that structure. Some people are so well-versed, and, and the, you know, the big book is a part of them that it's second nature. It's not there yet for me, so I need more of a structured type of program. And that's basically how I do it. I can send them to you. You can search them on the Internet, the big book prayers, and you'll see. You'll understand what I mean. It's just a good way to get it going. If if you if you if you have a, uh, you know, if, like I'm you're distracted a little bit, and I'm always distracted, mm-hmm. so it's better for me to do it that way. And I know if I'm not praying that way, and there's days that you let it slide off because we're human beings and we ain't perfect. I can feel it building up, so I just if I got to catch up, I'll catch up. You know, I'll catch up what I didn't pray. And, you know, you're developing that spiritual experience, that spiritual life, you know, so it becomes second nature. And we don't have to be so structured, but you have those, those tools available to you. You know, it's really, it's really helped me immensely. Great. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. Thanks, Allison. G-O-L, your turn. Star one on mute. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Russ. Thank you for your share. I actually kind of um, have a two-part question here. One is about <clears throat> the working the steps and developing um, kind of a life self-discipline. 
and then also how that type of discipline carries over into um, the way we raise our kids. Because I know for myself, like, I've always been really undisciplined. And then, um, you know, once I started working the steps, I saw the need to kind of increase that, obviously, but also to surrender at the same time. And in your share, I noticed, um, you know, you talked about wrestling as giving you a lot of structure. And I guess I'm just kind of weighing back and forth how the steps maybe would replace the structure that other things might have given us in life and how that now um, kind of plays into our current relationships and like what you have, like what your experience has been with that. So uh, thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Um, You know, I noticed, like I'm not trying to sound harsh or snap at you or anything like that, but if we work the program, that all takes care of itself. So now I'm going to expand on that. When we, when we, you know, when we're rigorously honest with ourselves and we work the steps and we make our amends and you're develop, developing that spiritual life as you go, right? Right? So it becomes a part of you. It, it becomes a part of you. We use, the, we use every part of that big book, every part of the program, and every aspect of our life. So, so, you know, we're undisciplined people. God has to discipline us, right? This is how it goes. And I don't mean discipline like in a bad way. We have to have structure. So you do it by working the steps, and it comes together. And surrender is hard. It's just hard. Some, we just can't do it sometimes, you know. But you try. You act as if. You, work, you, you keep doing it until it happens. And, you know, that's contingent on working a spiritual life. You got to – you have to – no stone has to be unturned in this program. You got to be rigorously honest with yourself. You know, with our kids, whatever. My my, my point, my the, the whole point is, is that if we're working these steps, you're developing the spiritual life, and it just comes, right? It just comes, like the promises say. So, um, the surrender is just really tough because we're of the flesh, man. We're human beings, and we have that in us. That uh, even in recovery, even at the highest spiritual level. We're still going to have that defect of pride, so you just got to keep working it. You got to keep going through it. I, 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 I may not. I hope I'm answering your question. I'm not the greatest at it, but my, my, my point is that when I work the steps, then I ha- like, I, for example, I have to have morning prayer, right? I need that to sustain what I did with the steps. When, when, when I work the steps, I have to have prayer throughout the day, right? To keep what I what I achieved, what what God granted me in working the steps, I need the tenth step. I need the review with the eleventh step. I have to be honest with myself. I have to clean my side of the street. I if I ha- God will show us what we need uh, to structure. You know, we pray to set aside prayer. God reveals things to us that need to be. You just got to be in tune to it. You know, you got to be. Your antennas have to be up by. But your antennas aren't going to be up if we're not working the steps in every aspect of our life. You know, it, it's, it, I know it sounds like a simpleton thing, and it's not really that complicated, but it really isn't. But we, we have to, all of us, all, I mean, I, I got to do it every day. If I'm work, living in the steps, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm saying that those things that you want God to enter into, and you ask him, he will reveal himself in there. And, and you'll be surprised by the, 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 the uh, 
how much how much uh, inroads you make with it. It's 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 just a process. You got to continually do it. You got to continually do it. You know, especially when you have kids, and you know you're trying to help them. It's very frustrating. But the best thing we can do is recover, recover, recover. You know. I hope that helped you. I hope that helped you. Yes, that did answer my question. I, I'm sorry if it seemed a little nebulous. I was sort of developing a thought as I was speaking. So. <laughs> but thank no you. No problem. It's awesome. It's a privilege. Thanks, Gio. Lucy E., you're up. Star one to unmute Lucy E. Okay, here I am. I'm talking away to a muted phone. But all right. Uh, hi, I'm Lucy from Maryland. Thank you, Russ, for sharing uh, so beautifully. In fact, you wrote that you're beautiful. I think you said brutally honest, and I wrote down beautifully honest. Oh. So, so I thought, but what I want to know from you, I also am Catholic, and I'm a, as a Christ follower, I'm very close to God, and I pray without ceasing, and there's a lot of stuff I do in that area of my life, and it does cover lots of parts of my life. But you were making a distinction between spiritual experience versus spiritual awakening. Can you shed some more light on that? Yep. Thank you for the question. You know, like I said, we're in the worship band. And, you know, the energy of three, two, 3,000 people worshiping God is like no other. There's no high like that ever. And it's 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 an emotional release, and it's there's a beauty to it that we're we're praying together, and there's just such a, um, a way you, you, you it, it's 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 overwhelming is what I'm getting at. But see, the addict that I am, I want that in every aspect of my life, right? So that's a spiritual experience to develop, like a spiritual uh, living in a spiritual awakening. Is it, not it's not just going through emotions, you know, it's not just praying and uh, it is praying, but my, my, my point is it's got to be in every aspect of our life. I can't worship on Sunday night and then Monday morning be freaked out because I don't have enough money. You know, it has to be, and, and this is what the program has done for me. Basically it comes down to trusting God, right? It comes down to trusting God. and. I'm not saying that cannot happen there in a, in a worship environment. I'm saying this is a lifelong process that you have to develop every minute of every day to be close to God. Some of the greatest guys of faith that were so spiritually advanced still felt miles away from God, and that's all they did their whole life. So my, my, my point is to live in a spiritual awakening Yes, you got to work these steps. It makes your faith more fruitful. You know, it's not just a matter of saying that Hail Mary, uh, you know, uh, Our Father, and and I love all that stuff, and I'm not knocking that because I pray that every day. But it's what is, how is that impacting my life? How can I can I can I live with what the the gospel says in the, in this world? Sometimes we, we it's tough to do. So that's why you got to develop a spiritual defense, a spiritual program to be your spiritual canopy, to get you through life. It just builds on each other. So, 
you know, a spiritual experience is something that's like an individual event the, the, for me, for Russell. For, mm-hmm. for a spiritual awakening is living in the love of God, in the sunlight of the Spirit, come what may. And you have to develop it, just like we have to develop our bodies, just like we have to develop relationships. It takes time and work, and it might take 40 years. You know, I might have it nipped by, like, 10 minutes after I die, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yes, hard work. Yes, I do. Yeah, I had to so, that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a long, it's a long process. And, you know, when you're doing it, so the, the other thing is, this is when you're working the steps and you have a, a spiritual regimen, you're living in a spiritual awakening because mm-hmm. you're doing it. It's part of it. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I hope you understand I what I mean. No, no, I do. I'm getting it that it's really, I like how you said that living, like doing the steps makes a living in the love of God. You know, that it's a continuous minute-by-minute situation versus just having that one experience. Yeah, I had never heard it put that way. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, and God bless you. Oh, thanks so much. You too. Thank you, Lucy E. Beverly R., your turn. Star one to unmute. Beverly R. Hello, I'm Beverly R. from Gaithersburg, Maryland. And I I know, I think you've answered this maybe a little bit but what I wanted to know um, sir and thank you for your share and I'm going to listen to it again on the podcast cause, because I missed some of it but what do you and as, as I said I know you've answered it a little bit okay. before but what do you do on a daily basis for your program what do you do every single day for your program. So, thank you, thank you for the question. I appreciate it. I uh, I get up every morning and I pray. My, I get on my knees and I pray the morning prayer. And I get through that, and then you know I'll eat what I need to eat, and I get get to get to work. When I get into work, you know I actually get on my knees in the office and I ask God, Thy will be done. And then I, you know I. I pray maybe five or ten minutes before I get going with patients. And then in between patients, I'm praying all throughout that day. Unless, you know, my boss has me doing something or something like that. But I always pray. I have a break in between. Either I'll work out and I'll pray during that. And I'll pray on the way back. I mean, I really am praying a lot. It's craziness. It is craziness. But it's cool. I like it. I mean, that's what I do. And like I said, in every circumstance, I'm not trying to be over-analytical. But when you feel like you might have did something that wasn't right or you didn't handle it, you probably did. So I, I look over it, I review it, you know, and say, where can I have been better? Where was I selfish in this? How how I got to make this right? And, you know, it's like a, lot, a compact 11th step. And I try to do that in every every way. And, uh, you know, it's like a combination 10, 10 11 step. And, uh I do that in a lot of circumstances throughout my life. Anyway, you know, if if I get into an argument with my wife or I'm just talking to my wife or presenting myself, I, I, you know, I did a lot of damage along the way. So I'm trying to use these steps and this plan in every aspect of my life. So I go throughout the day praying and, um, you know, Catholics, we pray the rosary. So I'll pray, try to pray a rosary a day. 
And then uh, by the end of the day, you know, I'll have my dinner and so on and, you know, I'll get with my wife and kids and you know, I'm praying on the way home. Or, and before I go to bed, I just do that nightly review. Although I am doing that review throughout the day in, in certain circumstances. And then, you know, if there's, look, if there's something that I got to make right, I'll make right before I go to bed. Uh, and if I, if I, like I said, I get too high, I get too low, I get too angry, like a stupid resentment comes up. I mean, you know, the big book says resentment. It doesn't say, oh, the greatest resentment. It just says resentment. When the resentment, whatever I, it starts bothering me, whatever it, ha- it, can, it is, I call, you know, I have a little God squad of my guys, my, my people, my beautiful friends that will take a 10 step from me. And I use that. That is my, that's my protector. That 10 step is, is a, is a, is a weapon to keep me from being a maniac. Not so much with the food, just as a person. Cause I, who the, who the heck wants to deal with someone that's uh, always edgy and irritable and wants to punch your face in? You can't, you can't, nobody wants to be around that. So I, I, that's what I'm striving. I want that emotional sobriety, and I do that through that program that I try to use every day. I work on it. I work on it every day with that. So thank you. Thanks, Beverly R. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Um, just what I needed, wanted. Have, um, thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Beverly. Jody EQ. Thank you, Leah. This is Jody EQ uh, from California. Thank you so much, Russ. I, I'm not sure I've ever cried so much listening to someone's story. You were so honest and real, and it was really touching. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. Really. Um, So in our book, it says on page 55, we found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. I also heard you, I heard you say that when you got to OA or when you got to this meeting that you knew you were home. I can relate to that. So how do we, how, what is the difference for you between that great reality deep down within you that is only there and your, your connection to people in OA and other people? It's like what, what, I guess it's kind of a hard question for me to formulate, but um, I, I guess I, if, if, if our higher power is within us, why do we need OA? I guess that's my question. No, no, why? Because we're not our higher power. You know, we're flawed human beings. We're imperfect. We have free will. We do stupid things. You know, it's like, <laughs> if we're, you know, like I said, you know, I'm a chiropractor. I know everything about nutrition. I know a lot, you know, just self-knowledge, you know, from studying for 20 years and all that jazz. Where'd it get me? Where'd it get me? Because I'm a human being. I'm an emotional person. I don't know what makes me tick. The creator knows what makes me tick. So no drug, no psychologist. I'm not going to do it. People are not going to do it. Only God can do it. And see, the, the, the 12 steps in this big book, see, you cannot tell me. You can't tell me, and I will argue you, anybody, not just you, but uh, 
that the big book was not God-inspired because there are so many lives have been restored through AA. So there's something bigger going on here, right? Right? We can't live life on our own, really. You know, people could say what they want. You know, you can't live life on your own. There's someone else there, something else that got this ball rolling, you know, that created this thing. And that's why, um, that's why we need programs. No, it's not really, look, it's not really about the people in program, although it is about the people in program. It's what the program stands for, the, the, the substance of the 12 steps in the big book that makes us home, that brings, because look, the big book and the 12 steps are not my higher power. They are not God. My fellows are not God. But the 12 steps, the big book, and my fellows keep me placing God first in my life. So that, that that's what I'm getting at. You know, our, our higher powers revealed through this. You know, we're weak human beings. We ain't got to figure it out. None of us is perfect. But this is where God is revealed, and that's how we become free, and that's how we get close to God. It's like, you know, we need God. We need others. We need the program. And God reveals himself over and over and over again. So I hope that I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Thank you, Russ. Thanks, Thanks Rose, again. Too. You're mm-hmm. awesome. You are too. I get out of it. Thank you, Jody. And who else has a question this morning for Russ? Star Watch not you. Ginger Ruth H. Thus far, I have Gina R., Ginger C., Ruth H. Who did I miss? Laura G. Laura G. G. There's somebody in the background. Everybody who stated their name already, please mute. Thanks. Who did I miss? Gina R., Ginger C., Ruth H., Lori G. Lisa B. Roz G. There we go. Lisa B., Roz G., Margaret Anyone? A. Who just stated their name? Marianne A. Marianne A. Thank you. Russ, you have the time for this grouping. Russ. Hello. Hi. You have the time for this grouping. It's. It's a good-sized group. I just want to make sure. Yeah, go for it. I'm, okay. I'm to, All right. I'm, Excellent. Love you, Excellent. people. I love you. Oh, my gosh. It's a mutual admiration society here, Russ. Thank you. Okay, so I have Tina R., <laughs> Ginger C., Ruth H., Lori B., Lisa B., Roz G., Margaret, Marianne A., anyone else? This will be the final invitation for questions. Okay, minds are cleared. Gina R., your turn. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. (laughs) 
Gina R, star one to unmute. Okay, sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted. This is Gina R, gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. Thank you so much, Russ. Um, I can remember um, the first day you were the newcomer volunteer. And um, just even then, the, the, the move of God on and in your life is so evident. And um, I know you've shared your story on a couple of other meetings, and I wasn't able to hear it. And so I was super excited when I heard you do the check-in this morning. My question for you is, um, I can relate to... Um, what I call the the ill-spent youth, I was also brought up in a bar. And um, I'm still doing some work around principles of uh, safety. And, you know, I just, that was not a safe place to bring up a kid. And a lot of my stuff, when it comes up, just dials me right back to that. And I'm wondering if you have any experience, strength, and hope this morning around that, especially as it relates to any of your inventory work. Um, and then I just wanted to tell you, I think we may be related. My sister married a Montalbano in Illinois. And with that, I'll <laughs> wait for your question. Uh, we're all cousins anyway, right? <laughs> um, thanks, Gina. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I did go through that in my inventory, you know, my resentment towards the old man, my dad, I'm sorry. I loved him. He was he was a great guy. Don't get me wrong. He was he'll do anything for anybody. He was a, my hero. My dad was my hero. But he was a human being. He was doing the best they could, my parents, you know. Yeah, I don't want to give him an out. I was pissed off at him. You know, I went through my resentments about him and I had to work those out. And even you know, just the other day, I was at the graveside. I went over there. I ain't been over there in about two years. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I still harbor a little resentment towards them, you know. Having said that, my wife does for me. My kids are gone because they see what their, their, my, the addiction did to me. So I have to have love and tolerance, even with my dad after he passed away, you know, after he died. You know, it's... It, he was doing the best he can, but he was addicted. I mean, I've seen the man go years without drinking and then, then go through the spree. So I have to have a little compassion for him. I would have it for one of my fellows here. I got to have it for my dad. So that helps me get past it. And, you know, if love and tolerance is our code, I can be objective and say these things, some things he didn't do right. But, man, he did so many great things for him. You know, I, this personality I have, the way I talk to people, the way I love people, I, really, I'm not thinking highly. I'm saying, I'm, look, if I could get paid to talk for, with, with people, I'd be doing okay. You know what I mean? My dad gave me that. My dad gave me the love of people. You know, I wouldn't be in this fellowship if I, if I didn't have that, you know, with, 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 also with the disease. But I don't know if I could be able to share like I did, you know. So there's good things, too. So you got to work through the resentments. I don't want to hate my dad. I know he wasn't perfect. But, you know, the bar life wasn't great. You know, my, it, I, I seen so many things as a kid. But almost in a way, there's a blessing to that. Because I've seen families get ripped up through drug addiction at that place. Kids I grew up with, the father was away from the mother drinking and doing drugs. or You know, I saw it, so I knew what I didn't want. You know, it made me aware of 
what you do in life affects the people around you. I mean, I finally got a rain in on it a little bit at 44, but it, at least I had an awareness. So, you know, I, I did have to work on it, but, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's going to pop up again because, you know, resentments, you know, not if they come, they're coming. And, you know, I can never really have closure because my dad passed away. So you just work them out. You're right. You do 10 steps. You know, you got to do whatever you need to do to stay emotionally abstinent. You know, it's, it's not... It's not a matter of food. Some, you know, for me, it's not a matter of food. I, I can get into the food quick as, you know what, we're very quick. But I want to be emotionally abstinent. And, 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 and it takes work to do that. It's hard, man. It's hard, but you can do it. You can live free with it. I hope that helps you out. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gina. Ginger C., your turn. Hi, good morning. Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And my question, Russ, are you coming to Colorado? <laughs> I'm hoping to. I'm going to see if the finances work out. I would love to. I'd love to be there, man. I want to be with you guys all the time. I know it sounds crazy. It's like you're my safe place. You guys, this meeting's my safe place. I want to just BS with you over a cup of coffee and share experience, strength, and hope. But maybe not me talking. I like to listen, if you can believe it, if you can believe it. Okay, well, that was actually a, Thank you, a little bit of a joke. But, uh, oh, okay. I actually have a real question. I'm sorry, <laughs> Leah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the book tells me I have to practice these principles in all my affairs. And you so beautifully highlighted the 12th step because I absolutely, you know, if you're through this work, get into what we're here to do. We're really here to be <clears throat> helping that person. Um, but you've got five kids. I'm just thinking about your life. You're um, chiropractor. You've got to practice. You know, you got a lot going on. So how are you practicing this? And does your family ever get affected? Because that's one thing I see personally is they're like, oh, my gosh, her head says, is she talking? Mm-hmm. Is she not talking? What's going on? And um, the balance act with that, because life is a wheel and there's spokes with all these different parts, service and physical, emotional, spiritual, fun, work, mm-hmm. and that balancing act, I think it's a tall order sometimes. So just curious Well, about that. that thanks, Ginger. Um, really, I, I know, look, I'm, I'm going to be back in addiction if, I, if I'm not sponsoring. So you have to do it. You gotta, it's got to be done. And it's the best blessing. It's like, my, like I said, it took my, my program up crazy levels. And I just really, I asked God into it. I said, Lord, work this out. So the cool thing is I got three sponsors right now. Uh, one is through the steps. So we talk a couple times a week. We talk in the evening when, you know, I know my, I only have a half an hour and that's what we do. If he needs a 10 step, he calls me at any time, just like the other one. One's at five o'clock in the morning. So I get up before everybody. The best part about it is, see, this is how God works it out, is that it gets me up early. I work with him. I get my kids' lunches together, and I get a workout in. Everybody settled. My wife could sleep a little longer, and I and that's banged out. He needs a 10-step. He hits me up during the day, right? Another one is during my break at work. I have I can get home and work out, or I get home and do some administrative work. At 2 o'clock, I have to be at, back in my office at 2.30, 2 o'clock, we, do, we work, and we work till 2.30. And that's, that's how we do it. Now, once these guys are all through the steps, 
then I could take someone else on. And I just work it, you know, on, I just ask God into it and he works that out. I mean, I know that sounds like, uh, you know, easy answer, but that's how it really, that's really, that's how I've been doing it. So Lord, Lord, uh, you know, I want, I need to take these guys on, work this out. I ask you into it. And that's, that's how I've been doing it. And it's been seeming to work out. Now, the family, like the family afterwards, right? Um, any family that's gone through this the, 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 this addiction with me, my family, they're going to be, uh, you know, how would you say, a little agitated that I take these phone calls. That's why I try to negotiate them around the family time. They're going to be pissed off that I devote time to a Sunday morning or Saturday night or helping out in meetings or go to a Saturday morning meeting. One, because, you know, it's it's interfering. They feel like they're being, you know, I'm getting taken away again. And two, how come I tried for 20 years to get your ass off this food and try to get your head straight, and now this program has taken, did it without really even having a problem. So there's like a little resentment. So I just, my wife, thank God, God bless her. You know, she's been through so much with me. She really don't give me a hard time. I know it's hard. So I, I'm trying. You know, I try to make sure we get a date. I try to make sure I'm doing what I need to do with the kids. And most of the time we are. We're with sports. We're running with football. I mean, softball, baseball. You know, this one's in singing. And it, I make sure I'm present at those things. And I make sure at night we try to talk, my wife and I. And that's how I have to do it right now. And it'll get better. I just keep asking God into it, and he'll, he'll work it out better and better. But it is definitely, you know, there is that little tension when, you know, Ginger hits me up or Charles hits me up or I'm talking to Craig, and she's like, oh, again? But, you know, they know where I was before program. So, you know, it's a give and take. It's a give and take. So I, I try to put the program first, but, you know, it's like, I got to put God first. So I put God first, and he works the program and the family out. So that's, that's – I hope that helped you out. Thank you, Ginger C., for the question. Ruth H., star one to unmute. Thank you, Leah. Thanks so much for your service. And, Russ, wow, what an um, – inspiring and um, amazing share. Thank you so much for being so open and honest with us all. Uh, My question is this. I'm working with a sponsee who suffered abuse at the hands of a family member. Um, And it's the first time I've I've, um, helped to guide someone who has that in their past. Um, She's just beginning step four, but feeling a great deal of fear and resentment around that issue. And um, I'm wondering if there's anything that that was said to you as you embarked on steps four to nine that were helpful to move you through that process, or just if there's anything else from your experience that you could share that might help me help her. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that question. Um, You know, really, before I was in program, this stuff all came. I repressed that, that abuse. I was 21, you know, I was like six, six or seven years old. And I would get anxiety and craziness. And I said, you know, I just prayed, you know, I just asked God to help me to forgive this man. And over the years, I've learned to forgive him. I had some bad spots and resentments. But by the time I got to my fourth step, I was like, look, am I going to let this thing be, uh, I, be my, 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 uh, 
tagged my whole life that this is what my whole life was 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 a, 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 a abuse. I, I, there's more to it. I got to forgive this guy, and I have to get over it. So I would want uh, the first thing I would tell you to do is ask your sponsor to pray to be able to have just the willingness. I'm not saying full out forgive the person, the willingness, and then God will help. You know, forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You know, you, you, you could forgive people and still want to punch them in the face. But you have to take just like the steps. You got to take the first step to get going. So just pray, even if you want to pray with your sponsor, that God will give her the desire and willingness to forgive this person. And guess what? If she's anxious or the person's anxious, let them be anxious. Let them work through the emotion. Let them get that on paper. Let them admit it to you and God. And they'll be free. You've got to attack it. And I know it's easy to say. It's easy to say. I, I've been through that. And it hurts. And it drives you nuts. I want to punch somebody. Oh, I want to, my rage gets up. But, you know, I did some bad things over my life, not the greatest things. And God forgave me. And I, 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 I move forward. So to move forward, you have to pray for the willingness to forgive. And through the, get, the, get it out. Get it out on paper. Just hold, hold the person's hand and pray for them and pray with them that they'd have the willingness to forgive because that's the first step. It's not going to get rid of the emotion, but working through the steps will help with that. And God will reveal himself in it. Thank you. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks, Ruth. Lori G, star one to unmute. Thanks, Leah. Thank you uh, for your service. And um, uh, my question is, number one, I, I love love you back um, and welcome home. Is a, a, Both of those things are, are um, they're just awesome part of this wonderful uh, meeting. Um, what could you elaborate a little more on the um, when you're up? You know, working the program in the same magnitude as when you're up. If that's clear enough, thank you. Can you one more time? Can you say that again? When you're up, you talk uh, about. Uh, you know, okay, thanks. right. So you know, like in a doctor's opinion, um, and more about alcoholism, we go with this mind thing, right? This mind thing, like the jaywalker. Dude enjoyed getting hit, right? Right? He just kept going back out. It's crazy thinking. It's nuts. nuts. It's, it's crazy thinking. The, the, you know, the, our, our addiction starts in our mind, right? So just, just like anything else, if you get too high or too low, it's not – just because you're euphoric and excited and, you know, it says – what's it say in, in the end of uh, – I believe it's the 11 step keeps us from excitement. That'll get you in trouble too, being too high, because you're not thinking with a clear head. Your mind's involved. We have unrealistic expectations, and I'm notorious for that. I, I still do that. Oh, man, dude, I'm starting this new business. I'll be making about 200 grand. And No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Everything is good until, on paper until you have to do it, because life gets in the way, and we have to – Temper our expectations. And I do that through a 10-step. I do that because there's selfishness in it. And I'm being dishonest with myself because I don't know whether my business is going to take off or it's going to fail. 
they're not they're not true things. If I get too hyped about things, I'm not thinking clearly. And that that's where it starts. That's where this whole deal starts is in our mind. You know, the, a compulsion and obsession is a manifestation of what our mind is telling us. So we have to keep that hamster at maybe five miles an hour rather than 250 miles an hour on that treadmill in our mind. And that's how I do it with the 10th step. And um, just work on my spiritual program. You know, if I get too low, if I get too low, like I'm just feeling down. I noticed it this week. I had to do a 10th step. You know, it's not just about uh, resentment, anger, fear, dishonesty, but it is an emotional thing. Anything that's ticking you, anything that's kind of scraping at you, you got to get rid of because it turns into the resentment or fear or, and then it's all about me. Then it's, I'm going to get into self-pity. And before you know it, you'll be in a, in a, in a bad frame of mind. And when your minds were not right, you're going to end up in, in your addictive substances. That's what I know for me. So we got to keep, if I'm too high, I, I, I got to come back down. I got to come back down. Because it's not, it's crazy thinking. It's it's not, it's, it's not normal. Uh, who's normal? But you know what I'm saying. It's not healthy thinking. Got it. 100%. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Lori G. Lisa B. Star one to unmute. Can you hear me? I do. Oh, thank you so much. It's great. This meeting is fantastic, first of all. Um, thank you so much, Russ, for your share. I greatly appreciate it. Um, Lisa B. from Massachusetts, formerly um, suburbs of Philadelphia, so I know where you are. Uh, <laughs> I love the accent. I'm like, whoa. Well, uh, anyway. Um, I don't have um, an accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I know. I know. It's wicked. <laughs> um, my question for you, I guess, is uh, I've been absent for a while working through the steps, um, but I found this week I was definitely in a lot of morbid reflection, and I know we can't afford that because it definitely takes me away from the moment I'm raising a 14-month-old baby. Like, takes me away from where I need to be at the moment. Um, but I was, it was a work thing, and I know that I've. It's like a failure of mine. I feel like I definitely had that failure. I really appreciated that you shared about that. How do you stay away from that morbid reflection if you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again? Like, I'm absent. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm in the. I'm recovering. Why am? I, why do I still have this defect of character? How do you not go there when you know that's still a, an, a problem? It does that make any sense? You still, you know, have that. Yeah, no, no, no. I yeah? got it. Okay. okay, thank you. It's, thank you. Thank, thank you for the question. Um, you know, once again, I go back to the 10th step. I go back to the 10th step. Um, we're, our minds are not right. Our, like, my mind is not right. Because I can beat myself up left and right. If I, if I give myself a little inch, I'm going to get in there and just self-pity it to death. And I'm, the best is, you know, see, God puts you with who you need to be my sponsor, my handsome sponsor. I'm teasing. I'm just joking. But, uh, he, uh, knows He's just been at it for so long in AA and OA that he knows how he could see it in me. You know, having that guide, having that sponsor to say, Russ, you're being a little selfish. You're beating yourself up. This is where your pride is getting in there, your ego. And he would say, progress, not perfection. You're, we're going to have character defects till we die. It's a matter of working on it. The 10th step brings you back to reality. It takes, you know, it cleans up your side of the street. It allows you to look at things objectively and not from the lens of Russ M, but how God sees us and what the truth is, whether you're dishonest. You know, the whole, I'm beating a dead horse here, but the same thing. That's it. You can't beat yourself up on it. Um, but you've got to be honest with yourself, and then you move forward. 
we start over analyzing, man. Analysis by paralysis, paralysis by analysis, right? Our minds, our magic magnifying minds will get rolling, and you will be. St- I lost more time, money, relationship, and joy in my life by thinking about things. Realize that you're you're a human being. We're flawed, and screw it. Go to the next thing. Get the ten steps and keep working your program. That's how I have to do it. I got to do it that way. I might be a little harsh, but that's Thank that's you. how we become free. Keep moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Thank you, Lisa B. Roz G. Your turn. Hi, Russ. This is Roz G. How Thank you, you very much. Uh, I am so emo right now. Um, because your share had me laughing, you know, I was like bending over laughing <laughs> when you talked about wanting to slam your boss and then crying with some of the stuff too. But my question is, I identified 100% with workaholism and how you were trying to keep everything together. I'm doing that as we speak. And I would like to ask from your experience and perhaps maybe, and I don't like to use the word advice, but for lack of a better term, what would your advice be to, to take it easy or, you know, on that, on that path? Would you answer that please? Thank you. Well, you may be talking to the wrong guy about workaholism. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm the easiest dude to put the feet up. I could be lazy in a minute. You know, I'm pretty good at that. Another one, if I could get, if I could get paid to talk and be lazy, I'd be a billionaire. But, but my my point is this: it, there's nothing wrong with working your tail off. You know, it gives us a, for me, it gave me a sense of not 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 self sufficiency, but responsibility that I could actually take care of myself. It made me believe in myself. That's great. But when it's dripping and bleeding into other aspects of your life, you got to pump the brakes. And I ain't a pro at this. This is the only thing I know because I did get caught up in that in the first few years of of of, um, of my career when I first started being a chiropractor, you know. And and now, you know, it's just a different arrangement. I'm working for somebody now, which is not the greatest. But, you know, what do you want to do? This is what it is. It's good. It keeps me humble. stops my ego. But I have to set boundaries. And I had to negotiate that in my contract because we need to recover. You know, not just with the food or emotionally, but, you know, in my particular case, I'm adjusting people every day. My shoulders, my legs, my hips, my elbows, things hurt when I leave. You've got to recover. When you're in pain, your mind's not right. When your mind's not right, you start crazy thinking. When there's crazy thinking, you're going to get into your addictive substances again. I am. That's how it is. So you're allowed to take care of yourself. You know, I had a patient say to me right before I got in the program. It was that December, right? I've known her for 20 years and went to high school. She goes, Ross, you're allowed to be nice to yourself. And I took that like, you know what? Yeah, I could, I'm allowed. I don't have to be a maniac with working out. I don't have to be a maniac of working all crazy hours. Listen, we're only here for a short time. Really, when you think of it, if you get 75, 80 years, that'll go in a flash. You've got to enjoy what's going on around you. You work your tail off. You make a couple bucks. You're not taking it with you. And yeah, yeah, you have to share it with the ones you love. The time, look, you could get the money back. You could always work at McDonald's. You could always work at another place, get another job. 
But the time that you have with the people you love, that time is never replaced. So just put it in perspective. And I would say ask God into it again. Every aspect of your life. God, please enter into this. I'm having trouble with it. Figure this out. You handle it. Not not to say I'm not going to do any work. I'm just going to sit there and God's going to take care of it. Let me do what I need to do, but you, you work this out and, and do what's right for me. And that's how I try to I try to live that way. That's how I'm going to be the best person because it's hard to do. You know, I have I have the office. I'm starting another little business. I, I play in the band. I got five kids in sports. You know, I volunteer a little bit. It can get crazy, but sometimes you're allowed to say no. And and just work your program. You know, just keep asking God into it. Work the steps, and uh, you'll be all right. Just get that. You know, God will God will balance that out for you. You just got to work at it. It's like anything else. Thanks, Raj, for the question. Margaret G. Thank you. Margaret D. Star one to unmute. May I be heard, or can I be heard? We hear you. This is this is Margaret D. in Georgia. Um, Russ and and everybody out there. I just uh, two things. Um, actually, three. First of all. Um, I so identify with that feeling about how you just love everybody in program. It's an experience that is, you know, when the big book talks about an experience that you will not want to miss, that's certainly one of them. Um, the second thing is um, I wanted to know it how um, uh, the chapter on To the Family worked in your life and lo and behold you just jumped into it automatically so if you could just say a few more things about that that would just be totally awesome to me thank you you got it thank you for the question um really the family afterwards you know you read through it and you know i don't have that one down the most but i did go through it about five times you know i just know it like when I'm reading the big book, I'm like reading it from my perspective. So it took me like a couple times to realize, like, you got to read it from the family's perspective. And it's like what addicts do to their family and those they love the most, most of the time involuntarily, not, not intentionally, really destroy some relationships. And, you know, this, this disease has taken me from my family. And no, I'm home. I was doing things, and you know, I would be around the house. But you know, how could I totally commit and love my wife and children when I was out on a binge for an hour before I came in the house, destroying my body and my spirit? So how can I fully give myself to them and be present to them when I would come in the house? They felt that. And then now, oh, I'm this new man. I'm revived in the 12-step program, and the big book saved my life. They look at me like this, Charlton, man. He's going to be right back to the way he is. And then they get that little bit of attitude. Like, I tried helping him my whole life, and how come he couldn't do it for me? But he could do it for all those people on that phone line. But that's not what it's about. But that's their perspective. There's a resentment that builds on. And I get pissed off about that because I'm going to stop my feet and say, Honey, this is the way I, you know, look at me. I'm doing better. No, it's like, no, shut up. 
You know what I? You know Saint Augustine, right? This theologian said, "Preach the God." No, Saint Francis of Assisi. I'm sorry. Preach the gospel if necessary. Use words. So I kind of tweaked it and I say, "Live the big book. Live your program, and if necessary, use words." They got to see it in my action. Talk is cheap, and I'm the greatest talker in the world. If I ain't living it by my actions, my family will never come around. But they will come around. It says it in the big book. I just got to recover. And that's a promise. And I, I think, you know, once it turns the corner, you know, my marriage will be more fruitful than ever. My, ch- my relationship with my children will be more fruitful forever because God promises that me, to me. And he loves and adores us. So why wouldn't he want it that way? It's just we have, it's all on his time. It's, it's tough for the family, man. It, it really is. And, I, you know, I was like a barbarian once in a while. You know, I'm just crazy. I was crazy over the food. So, and just crazy over myself. It was more than food. It's like I had to get that hit because I, need, I needed to be validated. And, you know, my ego was huge, even though I didn't think it was. It was. So I hope that helps you. Thank you, Margaret D. Our final question this morning comes from Marianne A. Star one to unmute, Marianne. Mary Ann, originally from Quebec, Canada. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Um, I recently, well, I've been with OA for about a year and a half, and I recently joined Vision. And one of the things is, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I understand that being a child and not having that soft place. Like uh, my mom died when I was two weeks old. My dad committed suicide when I was nine. And I quickly learned that I really had to, you know, be in control and uh, do what I needed to do to get ahead. In high school, the principal told my brother that I wasn't smart enough to finish ninth grade. And I believed him, dropped out of school. But today, I'm 64 and I have two master's degrees, a doctorate degree. But I've never signed my name, Dr. Marianne A., ever. I think it was that stubbornness that I see in Russ that... Um, I'm stubborn, and uh, it wasn't to find that Dr. Marianne, it was to prove that, no, you know, at ni- in ninth grade, I was still struggling with my father committing suicide and and, and a life that wasn't safe, but it, it, back then, because, you know, I'm 54. Marianne, no of, yeah? I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't know if you're walking or there, it is yeah. a little bit difficult to understand. We don't want to okay. miss a word, essentially. So if you could uh, just okay. perhaps stay stationary, we will hear you better. <laughs> That's a good idea because my dog just took off after a squirrel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my point is is that um, I didn't grow up with God, and I um, and I know that um, the program works. I knew that the day I walked into the rooms, but um, in, and I listen to Vision for You every morning while I work, but I'm a very active person. I train horses, I clear land, I, I'm very active. So I I know that I'm, I'm abstinent right now, but I know I need a sponsor and I don't have a sponsor. So I wanted to ask Russ about that, about sponsorship, because somebody did offer, and when I wrote up down my foods, uh, that I eat. I can overeat anything. I think I probably could eat cardboard if something's going wrong in my life. I was told not to eat yeast, flour, sugar, salt, uh, just about everything. And I, I was confused and I was told again, uh, you're not ready. And it brought me back to when I was, you know, in ninth grade telling me I, I wasn't smart enough to, 
you know, get through school. And it felt like I'm not smart enough to deal with this program. So I wanted his opinion on that, how he um, worked with sponsors. And there, there were sometimes a way to find a sponsor that can really work with you and grow with you as you're trying to do your best with this program. Thanks, Marion. I appreciate that. Uh, so the first thing I, you know, you have to do is look at yourself sufficient. You, you've been battling it and you've been doing things on your own. You got to pray for that to be lifted and you got to take direction, right? I had to do it too. We all had to do it. So I would suggest you get someone that's in this big book, um, and work through those steps. And a lot of this thing will, as you work through the steps with someone that where the problem is solved, if somebody knows this big book, a lot of these things that are in your mind, a lot of these things that are bearing, weighing you down, and these resentments are going to be peeled off you. And you're going to get to the root of it, especially with that inventory. Um, and you're going to see it's not about food. I do, want to, I do want to share this with you. You know, I understand you had a rough situation there. But you're never, real, you're never ever alone. You know, God is always with you. And through the steps and through the big book and through your fellowship and through your sponsor, you're going to see God's face. So you have to get a – it's integral that you get a sponsor that knows what they're doing. And that's not going to sugarcoat things. And sometimes it's going to be hard and you're not going to want to hear things. But to get free out of this bondage, you know, as Charles says, the truth hurts at first it pisses you off. But you'll be free after that. And you have to work, be diligent. You know, I can I can sympathize with you with that degree. You know, let me tell you, the uncle I did that amends with, his wife didn't really like me. We used to get into it because I think it was like an old Italian thing where I was the only boy and they couldn't have boys. So I always liked it was a black sheep in a way. And she told me one time, she goes, you're stupid. You are a dummy. Something that I was nine years old. You know, my whole educational career was on a resentment from her. And the kicker is when I got my doctorate she go, at a party, she goes, man, you, you graduated with honors. You did this. You were great. Top of your class. How come you didn't become a real doctor? So that worked out real well, right? Look, although these, these things propel us to try to do great things and, and with our with our survival mechanisms, they, they beat us up too. So what I'm getting at is I sympathize with you. I know exactly what you felt when that, when that teacher said that. Just work the steps. Get with someone that knows it. You'll get to the bottom of it. You'll start to become free and realize it's not going to happen in, in, a, in six months or a year. You're just going to scratch the surface and things are going to hurt. And it's not going to be easy, but you will be free. You'll be free, Marion. You'll be all right. Just do the work. Get with somebody. And there's plenty of good women here on this line that don't play, and they will help you. They'll get you there. Thank you for asking me that. Thanks for just letting me be a part of this. Thank you, Marianne, for your question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Russ, for your heartfelt share this morning offering your personal insights and your touching story of transformation. Thank you so much. Share ID for today, 11355, 11,355. We close Sunday's special editions with a reading from page 164. You'll find it in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.